Welcome back. I'm Pierre Daly, Managing Editor at AdvisorAnalyst.com, and this is Inside is Capital. Today's financial climate is more complex than ever. The cost of living continues to rise and market volatility seems like the new norm. Yet amidst all these challenges, Canadians are maintaining an optimistic outlook toward retirement, thanks in part to sound financial planning and advice. Recently, Fidelity Investments Canada unveiled the 2023 Fidelity Retirement Report. This annual report, now in its 18th iteration, is a vital resource for financial advisors and investors alike. It aims to shed light on current retirement trends and offer strategies for both preparing for and living during retirement. The report discusses a wide range of influencing factors as well, including inflation, housing costs, interest rates, and of course, market volatility. All of these elements play significant roles in how we plan and strategize for our retirement years. I'm delighted to welcome Peter Bowen and Michelle Monroe from Fidelity Investments Canada, two leading minds in the field who will be sharing their insights and discussing the findings from this year's Fidelity Retirement Report. Peter is Vice President of Tax and Retirement Research, and Michelle is Director of Tax and Retirement Research at Fidelity Investments Canada. So stay tuned. You won't want to miss what Peter and Michelle have to say about how we can all better equip ourselves for the financial realities of retirement, no matter what changes the market throws our way. We'll be back after this short break. This is the Insight is Capital podcast. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast are those of the individual guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of AdvisorAnalyst.com or of our guests. This broadcast is meant to be for informational purposes only. Nothing discussed in this broadcast is intended to be considered as advice. Peter, Michelle, welcome. It's great to have you on the show. I'm excited to talk to you both about your research. Well, great thank you very much here. for having thank us on. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, great, great to have you. Before we get started, um, I thought it would be great if you could tell us a little bit about your backgrounds, the arcs of your careers, and what you do at Fidelity Investments Canada. Well, why don't I uh, start things off? Uh, I'm a chartered accountant by training. I uh, worked in the tax department of one of the big four uh, audit firms for a number of years and then joined Fidelity as a treasurer for the funds. So I got to know the back office operations and uh, a lot of the intricacies of investment funds and then transitioned into my current role of, uh, of tax and retirement research in 2012. So I've been doing it for just over a, a decade and we've seen the world evolve and uh, it's a lot of uh, exciting things have come out over the, over the last uh, decade. For sure. So I, I was listening to Peter speak and I can say pretty much the exact same thing. I'm a chartered accountant by trade. I worked at a large accounting firm in their tax department. Came to Fidelity about 15 years ago. Uh, I worked on the corporate side, uh, behind the scenes doing the taxes for Fidelity, the corporation itself. And about five years ago, I transitioned into this current role, uh, joining Peter and supporting advisors and investors, our sales team, talking about taxes, retirement research, and the whole gamut that goes along with that. Very interesting. Um, thank you both for, for sharing that. I, I, think, I think when you can actually get to uh, you know, put your expertise, your knowledge into 
actionable ways that must be very fulfilling for you both. Yes, we do a lot of presentations to financial advisors and to end investors, uh, crisscross the country to do that. And in fact, of course, uh, much more of that is done virtually these days, but not exclusively. Um, so <laughs> I've got to see, and as has Michelle, see a lot of the country. Wonderful. Definitely. And it's, yeah. <laughs> so let's dive into the 2023 Fidelity Retirement Report that was recently released. Peter, let's start with you. Can you tell us a bit about the retirement report? Yes, absolutely. So as you noted the, at the beginning, this is our 18th year of doing this. So we're excited to release it and it is available on our website. Uh, we survey about 2000 Canadians from coast to coast. And it's based on an extensive list of questions that we spend uh, literally months developing and we, we end up with the, uh, the panel of, uh, of respondents to look, to answer all of these questions or selections of the questions, depending on which channel they go down. Uh, and what this allows us to do is to do a lot of comparisons. So between pre-retirees and retirees, men, women, region to region, uh, but also over time. So we can do longitudinal, uh, views of things because we try to keep some of the questions, a good number of them consistent from year to year. So we can, we can do that year to year analysis and see what's changing. We also tend to add in things that are, uh, of current interests from time to time uh, as well, that uh, gives us an extensive view of what Canadians are thinking about for retirement. And Michelle, um, market volatility, persistent inflation, higher interest rates. There's, there's a lot of macroeconomic volatility as of late. Um, with all this noise out there, how are Canadians feeling about retirement these days? Well, th th that's an important question. And one that going into it, I was wondering about as well, how are Canadians feeling? And by and large, overall, Canadians are feeling positive. Uh, now, we wanted to do a bit of a deeper dive because we did notice there was a bit of a decline coming. And not unexpected considering all the macroeconomic volatility that we're having, as, as well as non-macroeconomic, looking at, well, it's three years since the pandemic, just over three years since that started. More recently, we have wildfires and it's just, there's so many things and how does that impact people's view on retirement? And um, so when we sliced and diced it and we looked at it between retirees and pre-retirees, what we found is that overwhelmingly retirees are consistently feeling positive. Over 80% feel positive about retirement. And then where we found a, an actual decline and somewhat sharp decline in the last few years is when we looked at the pre-retirees. And so we wanted to do a deeper dive there to really understand this pre-retiree group. And then again, we split them between those who have a retirement plan and those who do not have a retirement plan. And that's where we found the biggest difference. Uh, those who have a retirement plan, 85% of those were feeling positive. And that's been consistent over the years. There's some, there is some movement, but the pre-retirees who do not have a written plan that's where we really see the decline. And only 55% of those were staying, said that they felt positive about retirement. So you can see that there's a real um, connection between having that written plan 
and feeling positive about retirement. And especially as we're going through some times of turbulence, you're thinking about, well, we want to have that written plan to feel, to feel better. Absolutely. And, yeah, Pierre, I'd add in, it's, it's a consistent theme. We'll come back to across various areas of the report, the value of having the financial plan and the value of having a financial advisor. Uh, they, they really make a difference uh, across um, numerous uh, criteria and, and, and issues. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a scorecard and it's you and, and you have a coach, <laughs> you know, and, and uh, you know, portfolio construction and management and, uh, financial planning is is very much about you know developing strong offense, but also strong defense. You know we, we've historically had portfolios that were full of offensive strategies. You know it's really upon advisors to provide the advice to investors that can also help them take a more defensive stance as well. Um, Pierre, you, yes. you 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 said the word coach there, yeah. which is so important. Important uh, because what is a coach? A coach is instructional, taking, okay, here's what my goal is. And it doesn't matter if it's a financial plan or a, any sort of goal that you're trying to achieve. And how do you break it down into those small pieces that make your goal achievable? Uh, but it's also emotional. And when we are going through those turbulent times, how do you stick to that plan? And uh, I know we use financial advisor, financial planner, but really, I think of it as a coach. Right, and 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 then the plan, which is which is your you know your game plan, your strategy, is also ultimately your scorecard. The ability to measure your progress over time is very important towards actually you know a real a real sense of of wellness as opposed to an abstract sense of wellness. If we just uh, rely on day-to-day -day news, uh, you know, the economy's going into a recession, inflation prices are skyrocketing. Uh, all you have to do is turn back to your, your scorecard, to your plan. And, you know, you can immediately readjust yourself from, from that noise. Did you see any differences across regions? Uh, we did actually, uh, Quebecers were mo were the most likely to feel positive about retirement and just bringing it back to the plan they were most likely to have a written financial plan as well interesting yeah. <laughs> any any <laughs> insight into why or as it just you know <laughs> more advisors it's, in quebec or <laughs> it, it's not specifically part of our survey about right. why and it's it's a little bit of conjecture of why they 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 are feeling more positive but they do feel more positive interesting that's very interesting mm -hmm. i i'd be curious to know you know what what the uh, regional difference oh. is canadians have been dealing with higher inflation in the past year than the bank of canada uh, target how is that impacting retirement plans? Dramatically, right? Uh, there's a, a, a reaction that Canadians are having to this uh, in that they're delaying retirement, right? That is a, an, an unfortunate uh, theme that we've, we've been seeing. Uh, the average age of retirement of Canadians has actually been going up since the financial crisis. I, I think that trend's going to uh, continue, unfortunately. Uh, that's one way to deal with that rising cost of living is to, you know, save a bit more. Um, uh, so you, you move into yeah, work longer in a, in a better position, work longer. Right. 
Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. So we're we're seeing some significant uh, changes, um, particularly for those fifty-five and above. Right. So the below fifty-five that that hasn't really changed. Perhaps they're far enough away from retirement that that's just not in their mindset yet. Uh, but those fifty-five and above, we have seen an increase year over year, and in fact, sixty-five plus. And there's still, you know, lots of 65 plus year olds working. Uh, there we've seen actually a big jump in the move to delay retirements, to retire later than they otherwise would have, uh, to deal with these, these issues. Uh, so, you know, it's a big trend. It seems to be continuing. You know, five years from now, we'll look at that average age of retirement and, uh, see if that's continued to go up, but that, um, you know, financial prices, lots of things went bump. Pandemic, lots of things went bump. Cost of living increases that we're now seeing, inflation rate being uh, so high, uh, again, is a bump that is causing people to rethink when they want to retire. Now, that's not necessarily um, disastrous, right? For for many people, uh, working is actually a good thing, right? It, uh, Absolutely. Them, it's not active. Keep some emotionally and you know, socially engaged. Uh, not, you know, all of these things are on top of the financial benefits of continuing to work. Well, I, I think you see that you see that especially among the self-employed. You know, the, the self-employed or the the business owner, the entrepreneur tends to you know want to continue doing what they've loved doing for so long, and and uh, you know, there's no reason to stop. There's no mandated you know reason you know, to be, uh, not working any longer. Uh, I mean, there's so, there's so many opportunities today to do that. Um, you know, to, to, to extend your, your work life or to start a new work life. I mean, that's not something I think, I think maybe the opportunities to do that 20 years ago weren't, you know, nearly as, as large as they are today as well. Um, well, as you mentioned that, that opportunity to do new things. So you know, people will often retire and then do something else work-wise, right? And not necessarily full-time, but follow a passion, for instance. We see a lot more of that than we used to, people working in retirement. And again, that brings, um, you know, studies have shown that brings a lot of benefits as long as it's a choice, right? If someone's right. working in retirement because they have to, a lot yeah, of those that, positive not, attributes... <laughs> go away that's not but if they're working in retirement <laughs> if they're working in retirement because they want to yeah right it, it's actually very beneficial so i'd i'd encourage you know advisors to talk to their clients about you know what are the post-retirement plans and uh say yeah if you can if you can find something doing something different something that you think would be neat for a couple of years for instance or longer uh part-time or full-time whatever uh, go for it. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's actually very healthy across uh, numerous dimensions. The transition, if you think a generation ago, retire, get the gold watch and go right into retirement. It's just, it's just evolved and changed so much. And it's more of an evolution now. And uh, one of the things when Peter was talking about sort of those, those who are closer to retirement, the pandemic and for many working at home, has given them like, well, I think I can. Like, it's more than the economical. It's like, well, it's given you additional life to work and enjoyment, doing it in a different way and engagement that we 
they're choosing to work because of that as well. So there's a lot of different factors that go into the, the decision of when one would actually choose to retire. And retirement is that face of it is changing as well. Yeah, I think there's generally a concern that, you know, will I have enough money in retirement to, you know, outlast me? It's not hard to see that that if you had to prolong the the date at which you started to decumulate or or, you know, withdraw from your retirement pool, that you would actually be able to add another potentially another period of compounding. You'd certainly <laughs> be adding to your yeah. pool that you have yeah. and you've increased your accumulation years, decreased the decumulation years. And in life expectancy is increasing. Health adjusted life expectancy is also improving, meaning a 70 year old is in better shape mentally, physically than a 70 year old was a couple decades ago. Yeah. Um, so it, it, I, you know, it, it all was, comes I, together. Also in an environment where interest rates could be higher for longer, how is this affecting Canadians? Well, absolutely. They are, um, they're feeling the impact, right, of the, uh, the increase in interest rates. Uh, when we surveyed Canadians and we've got this uh, split between, again, pre-retirees and retirees, the data shows us that uh, particularly the pre-retirees are viewing the increases in interest rates as having a negative impact, and it's 56% of them are saying that. It's a lower number for the retirees at 41%, presumably because many of them have gone into retirement with little or no debt. And ideally, we go into retirement, of course, with no debt. Right. That does seem to be a changing trend, unfortunately. Um, but so it's not surprising that the, the negative impact is higher for the, the pre-retirees. The, uh, there is a small subset of uh, Canadians that are responding that the higher interest rates are actually having a positive impact. Uh, I think a lot of caution needs to be taken there because sometimes people just look like, a headline rate of interest and say, yeah, so I don't have a mortgage anymore. I'm investing. So my GICs or bonds are paying higher rates. Great. <laughs> well, except what's inflation at right these days? Um, it's You have to look at the real rate of return. And then you have to look at the income tax. So on an after inflation, after tax basis, those interest rates suddenly aren't all that appealing. And, and again, this is where financial advisors, I think, can really come into to, to play to say, yes, that headline interest rate looks great, but in reality, it's not that great. So real interest rates are still pretty low. Uh, and those with savings are may feel better, but in reality, uh, they may not be any better. No, and... and uh... I agree. I, I think, you know, there's a potential risk for investors or savers to get comfortable with, you know, that that headline rate of return that they're getting from savings. Being uninvested is very risky. Well, and I'm glad you raised that because it's one of the more concerning findings of our report is when we look at uh, respondents that say that say they will invest in nothing but safe investments. Uh the percentages have really gone up significantly. Uh, for for re retirees, it's 43% of respondents said that a year ago. Now it's up to 56%. Just over half of them are saying that they're not going to invest in anything but safe. And for 
pre-retirees, it's lower numbers, but it's still increasing. It's gone from 37% to 43%. That's, as you know, that's, that's dangerous, right? That brings Absolutely. in asset allocation risk. Um, it, 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 it's very frustrating. And I do think that that's where financial advisors come in and, and you know, help hold people's hands and say, we've got to look at the long term, right? Markets go down, markets come back. We, historically, they've always come back, right? You know, people look at the financial crisis. And at that time, we saw people fleeing to very safe investments. Well, in hindsight, obviously, that was a terrible decision for the people that unfortunately made that decision. And it hurts them in the long run. So financial advisors holding their hands, you know, we talk about the term coaching. Um, it, it's one of those uh, high value ads that financial advisors can bring to the table. Yeah, I, I think back to March of 2020 and, you know, the lead up to the uh, bottom, you know, the pandemic bottom. And, um, you know, that was a very panicky time. And, you know, for do-it-yourself investors, uh, it's not hard to imagine that, you know, by sometime in March or by the end of March after, you know, that route that we saw, that, that those investors would have exited potentially the market because of how they were feeling at the moment, uh, only to miss the dramatic whipsaw run-up to the, you know, to, to 2021. Absolutely. And it's not just the do-it-yourselfers. I've talked to lots of financial advisors who have, you know, one or two clients that they just can't talk off the ledge, so to speak. And, exactly. Um, they, 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 where the client has insisted that they need to be in conservative investments. Time in the market is a much better consistent strategy than trying to time the market. And really having that long-term focus is a winning strategy. And it proves itself over and over again. And that's where the advisor comes in. Yeah. You know, that's where having an advisor and a plan that you can, you know, measure your progress against and, and make, you know, make adjustments here and there over time and rebalance and, and capture the rebalancing premium. Those are all elements of, of the uh, client advisor relationship that are, I think they're, they're highly, highly underestimated. So Michelle, each year you ask Canadians about what their financial goals are. What are, what are pre-retirees saving for today? Uh, other than the obvious thing, what is holding them back from retiring? Right. And you, you said, what are, what are pre-retirees saving for today other than the obvious thing, which is the number one thing that pre-retirees are saving for? That's retirement. And it is. It's, such, it's a long accumulation period, years, decades that people are saving for retirement. Uh, but then the next ones are, well, for children. And that could be post-secondary education, saving for large ticket items such as a wedding, what have you. Uh, the third item is uh, saving for elderly parents. Uh, the older generation is living longer and longer, longer than they expect to. And what that links to is, well, outliving their savings. So pre-retirees recognize that this could be a situation that could impact them and saving additional of their own funds as well. And then the round out the list, saving for a major purchase, uh, could be a new home, but that's what the main, main savings goals are. So you can see that they're really family oriented. 
Uh, part two of your question was asking, well, what's holding Canadian pre-retirees back from retirement? And the number one concern is that cost of living and that it's increasing. So they're just delaying a couple of years. And we've gone into some details on that. Other secondary reasons are just concerned they haven't saved enough and they want to build up that nest egg. Uh, some other concerns are thinking about debt and interest rates, uh, what's happening there, and more about to do with uncertainty. Uh, a fourth one is uh, not they're worried about what are they going to be doing in retirement. Um, so, and I think that comes back to a bit of the emotional side and how an advisor can help. Because if you think of a pre-retiree, well, a lot of their personal identity can be tied up to their career as well. And so what does that personal identity become post-retirement? And there is, you know, media really shows like the happy couple on the beach. And that's one aspect of it. Uh, but few people travel 12 months of the year. So creating a real vision, a realistic vision, uh, a little bit about like talking about, well, retirement could last, a, it could last a long time. On average, someone at age 65 can expect to live to about age 85. So you're looking about 20 years, but that's just an average. So planning a retirement to last 30 years or longer. Um, so really creating that long-term vision of retirement. Michelle, the face of Canada is changing and how are we seeing that reflected in the survey results and what does that mean for advisors? Wow, the face of Canada is changing. Did you know that Canada is on target to hit a population high of 40 million people today as we're speaking? So, and large, largely that is due to immigration and immigration is already at an all-time high the trends are to continue upwards. Um, so when it, where we're looking at is, well, what this is what's happening is that we're going to see more and more immigrants. And so going back to those savings goals that I touched upon, retirement, children, elderly parents, major purchases, et cetera. When we, we asked this question, it was between those, and we, then we divided them between those who were born inside Canada and those who were born outside of Canada. Those who were born outside of Canada, so the immigrants into Canada, significantly higher in every category we're looking. We're, so where we're looking is that they've really adopted to savings and investing and understanding the importance of that. And particularly when you're looking at those multi-generational saving for their children, saving for an elderly parent, and it's even higher in those categories. So coming back to, well, immigrants, new Canadians, they, they're coming from a, from a very different perspective as well, often, not always, but they're different uh, access to financial markets. They have a different mindset, cultural differences, where... um individual saving has been less prioritized. And our survey results showing that, well, they are prioritizing not just individual savings, but all around savings and investing. 
Um, so, and I, I find that very encouraging. And I think the opportunity here is to also be educating them about the tax efficient ways of savings using those RRSPs, tax-free savings account, the new first home savings, first home savings account, um, children thinking about RESPs with that free grant money. Um, so there's a lot of opportunities here for, for, uh, immigrants to Canada and priorities for them as well. Very interesting. And now, Michelle, you were just at the CIFP conference, the, the annual conference, and it was, it was very evident there that having a written plan is, is key to Canadians saving for retirement. Can you highlight again, the importance of having one? So about having a written plan is an individual who has a written financial plan feels better prepared financially, which you would expect. But what we also find is that also those with a written financial plan also feel better prepared emotionally, physically, and even socially. And linking that back to the written financial plan, those financially prepared, emotionally prepared, physically prepared, socially prepared, those are four key pillars of overall well-being. And so linking it back to feeling financially comfortable, really, to overall well-being. And it's, it's really that financial comfort is um, foundational to overall well-being. Excellent. Um, Peter, has there been any government policy changes in the recent past that will affect the retirement landscape? Not a huge amount this year, Pierre, uh, but we have seen, one, the government decide not to, to continue issuing real return bonds. And that's uh, uh, unfortunate because that's one of the ways that people can protect themselves from inflation. Uh, in, investors and investors don't typically invest directly in them, but they're used by investment funds, for instance, uh, that are, you know, have an inflation protection bent to them. And that market's going to decline over time with those issuances being halted. So that's that's one element. The other is that there have been some changes in, that may affect defined benefit pension plans uh, in that in, in cases of companies going bankrupt, uh, pension plans are, are now going to get a, a super priority, which sounds great. Uh, I think all the, the parties in Ottawa voted in favor of those changes. But, you know, be careful, right? Um, firstly, I didn't mention earlier on, I actually spent a couple of years working at Sears Canada uh, prior to, to, to joining uh, one of the big four audit firms. And as you probably know, Sears Canada well, went bankrupt and the pensioners were harmed, right? No doubt that hurt. Uh, right. They had their pension payments cut back quite significantly. So now there'll be a super priority. Now it doesn't kick in for four years till 2027. And I think that's to allow companies and their lenders to adjust because then you have to think about the unintended consequences. So if you're a lender to a company like Sears and it's getting, hmm, they're, they're, they're losing money and it's getting a bit dicey. If you're going to lend them more money, but you know that in the case of a bankruptcy, the divine benefit pension plan has a super priority, what are you going to do? Right? So you may charge a higher interest rate. You may handle things differently as in you're going to say, okay, you know, Company owns these properties. We're going to put a mortgage on those properties to, to deal with that super priority. But, uh, or maybe you just won't loan the money. And so 
that's one of those unintended consequences that can be uh, hurt, can harm. The other one is that companies may say, you know what, this it's time to stop offering that DB plan. The, the reality is fewer and fewer companies in the private sector offer defined benefit pension plans. This could just exacerbate that trend. That's uh, that's very interesting. I, I it, it I, I think it has been noticeable though what you just said, which is that that uh, less and less companies are offering uh, defined benefit plans. Uh, very because... much so. It's a it's a long term uh, trend to, to private companies getting out of that. Whether that's just that they, you know, say hey, new employees just aren't eligible, or existing employees it's going to be capped at uh, at you know as of this year. Whatever yeah. you're moving into a DC plan for future contributions, um, it's a continuing trend. And as I said, I just think these uh, legislative changes can can exacerbate the trend, and it complicates things for for pre-retirees as well. I mean, it it it, requ- it means having even more requirement or more need for an advisor. Uh, absolutely, and one of the yeah. things we've found historically is that, not surprisingly. People don't understand defined benefit pension plans, even if they're a member of a defined benefit pension plan. Uh, their financial literacy around uh, uh, those those types of uh, product, call it, uh, is not always as high as one would expect. Now, the good news is solvency ratios for defined benefit pension plans have actually been improving over the last few years. Um, so that that at least is one one helpful factor on on yeah. the EB side. And Michelle, are there any changes you see on the horizon that could impact retirement? Well, this is a bit about, well, we're seeing fewer defined benefit pension plans. So you're probably seeing more people who are doing that individual retirement savings. The most popular one being registered retirement savings plans. Uh, So they need to be converted to a RIF in the year that the individual turns 71. And then there's RIF minimums that are associated with those. And uh, it was 2015, the Department of Finance looked at it last, and they actually reduced that RIF minimum starting at age 71. Uh, So the Department of Finance recently announced that they're going to revisit it once again. Uh, They're looking for what are their underlying assumptions and whether or not they really have stood this test of time, rate of return, rate of inflation, longevity, life expectancy. Uh, a number of organizations have put in submissions. Uh, one of the biggest ones would be CD How. It's well-regarded, one of the larger ones. And they recommended that moving that RIF minimum, but the age 71 up, to just extending it for three years so it wouldn't kick in until age 74 and just move them all up that way. Um, you know, anytime you're dealing with Department of Finance, government, they they move slowly. So the timing of when and if any announcement is made, we don't know, but it's something that we have on our radar. Um, but what it would give is additional flexibility to people, to seniors who are drawing down their rifts. And I think the flexibility would be appreciated by everyone in the industry. Yeah, it's a, I, I'd be surprised if there aren't some changes made along the, 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 the uh, um, in the way that Michelle uh, mentions there, uh, you know, hopefully that will happen sooner rather than later to, to help those people who are uh, already into that, that stage of life. Uh, there are a few other things that are 
perhaps less likely. Uh, you know, there are certain unfair elements when you compare DB plans to those with RSPs and RIFs, such as uh, pension income splitting before the age of 65. Um, and you can save a lot more in a DB plan on a tax deferred basis than you can in an RSP. So arguably RSP uh, room should be higher than it is currently. And then I'll go back to a, a theme we talked about earlier, Pierre, that the, the fact that people are working longer, right? Well, we cannot delay CPP or OES beyond age 70. Maybe that should be pushed out. You know, make RSP contributions, right? Not just change when the minimums can be taken, but allow RSP contributions for an, an extra few years. You know, let's help people who want to remain in the workforce. With, you know, there's all sorts of talk about uh, labor shortages and skill shortages. Well, why not make it easier for people? Um, make some le legislative changes there to, to help people stay in the workforce longer. Absolutely. Um, so now, either of you can answer this. What, what can investors learn from the Fidelity Retirement Report? So I'll jump in on this. I, I think that uh, for investors, and, and our report is investor-friendly, of course, um, and is designed, by the way, to allow financial advisors to have uh, you know, improved conversations with their clients, let the clients, the investors look at the report, and it'll prompt questions, prompt thoughts, so we can have a, a, a deeper conversation with investors. But from an investor perspective, I would say it's the importance of the financial plan and of working with a financial advisor. And it's a consistent theme that we've seen over the years, but it's accelerated, honestly. The, the difference, uh, you know, when we look at the statistics on having uh, peace of mind that goals are on track, for instance, uh, and we look at pre-retirees, those without an advisor, only 34% say that, that they feel on track. 64% of those with an advisor feel they're on track. Like that, that's just a, a huge delta. Right? It's, it's, the power. I wish every Canadian yeah. could have a financial advisor. Peter said that so well. Um, but yeah, the report, did. it's it's really starting with that uh, someone who's a pre-retiree, age 45. Get them thinking about it. What, are, what does that vision look like? How does it differ? Being prepared for the different sources of income they'll have in retirement. Bringing it all the way through. Incorporating that into a written plan. And having that financial advisor, financial coach, really, to hold your hand, create a plan, and help achieve those long-term retirement goals. Peter, Michelle, thank you for your incredibly valuable time and your insights. It's been great chatting with you. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us on.